You are now listening to Well, Well, Filling Out. Oh my, oh my God, did she just murder him? <laughs> oh no, his pussiness. Misandry. <laughs> yes, misandry. Oh, poor man. Ladies, serial killers are the best. Well, she's never going to get that stain out. Nothing says it's over like running over your ass. It had to be a woman. It had to have been a woman. Are you wearing it? Wait, how big were her breasts? <laughs> what up, you clowns? Hey, we back hey. in this bitch. We are. For another recap. For Killing Eve. Episode four. Entitled, It's Agony and I'm Ravenous. Once again, written by Kaylee and directed by a woman. The same woman who directed episode three, Awan Anu Menon. Yeah, that's why we're here, guys. We're here to fucking recap. Lord. Ooh, so, so many things. So many things. There are many things. All right, so there was a lot that went down. There was some movement. There was some motion. There was some action. There was some meetups. There was some team-ups. There was some face-offs. But even though I could say that there were all those things that was going on, I still feel like I want it more. I want it. More. Mm. Well, I think I said on the live that I did not feel like a lot happened in the episode. And it's because I really don't feel like a lot happened. Like, there was stuff to enjoy, witty banter between Carolyn and Philanelle. And that oh, was yeah. fun. But mm-hmm. overall, I feel like we didn't really get nowhere. We got nowhere. No, right. No, no, no. You're <laughs> like, right. Like, we got some place, but we ultimately got no place. Like, we got some title place, cards, but no place. locations. But, but, right, right. What did we learn? Okay, here's Lars. Okay, here's a picture. Okay. I just, it underwhelmed, is what I'll say. And in an episode where I had to deal with Eve on her sapphic jaunt more intensely than she's ever been, for me to say it was kind of, I don't know if boring is the word I want to use, but just just something. It wasn't exciting. So I wouldn't go so far as to say it was boring, but it wasn't... <sighs> It didn't it's, entice. It wasn't, right. It wasn't, it, it wasn't, entice. it wasn't like hearty, I guess. It wasn't like. Or maybe it was hearty, but hearty like shepherd's pie. I just did Ooh. not feel enticed towards episode five where previous episodes and certainly how three left me. I was feeling really anxious no, right. about the episode and I'm fucking chill. I'm good. I'm not worried about any potential spoilers lurking. I'm not stressed about watching the episode early because I'm just not. I'm like, well, whatever happens, happens. And since I know at least half the episode is going to be time jumps to the bad, to the past about Alain or Carolyn or, or whoever, Lars right. or Constantine, insert unknown German or right. Russian or whomever. It doesn't matter because the way I don't give a shit about any of those hosts, <laughs> it's not going to change. But they're going to tell me about these hoes anyway. Like, uh, I care. Through the lens of thespians, we have we don't know. So, yeah. Right. It's a thing. It is a thing. Like, y'all could have sent me on some ridiculous day trip with Chloe and Alain. That made no sense. Like, everything in season three with Irina. But y'all said no. He is lost. He has a bunch of unknown Europeans back in the day during 1979. Uh, and I said, doing what? Revolutionaries <laughs> for what? But you know what? I'm not going to go into that. I'm not going to drag what air quotes revolutionary things they were doing. I just have questions. Questions. But what the fuck they thought they were revolutionizing 1979 in Berlin, that becomes the 12. Because it sounds like capitalistic nonsense. Nonsense! And perhaps other words can be used. Uh, a revolutionary. But that's yeah. not the word. No. That's not the yeah. word we use. But anyways. That that could be us with our thoughts getting ahead of yes, uh, this episode. But but they exist. And, and we They're need to there. know off the top at the beginning that these thoughts do exist. Facts. Uh, but I guess we can we can get Jump into right into it. The reason for the season, which is the reason course, for this episode. Well, yeah, the reason. Well, well I don't know. Rolling can... through <laughs> this recap, it's a lot. It's yeah. The way a bitch is not having most fun or mostly fun. No, not right. even half the episode fun. We're talking about a third of the episode fun. Like it's given Buckley's. It's given cough syrup that tastes gross. Not the amoxicillin used to get. You know, when you were a kid and you would get a cold and you go to the doctor, they give you amoxicillin. That shit tasted like bubblegum. It was the best antibiotic. No, this is Buckley's. This is Robitussin. No, right. Oh, it's supposed to be good for me, but is it? Is it? Mm. Mm. TBD. It's like when you have that tried and true brand that you uh, swear by and all of a sudden they change the formula without telling people and you notice the results and not, they're not giving what it's supposed to give, but you know. Let us jump into the first scene of this episode, which is already on some Killing Eve science nonsense because Villanelle is in Broadmoor. 
or just the police station, which no matter which way I try to go, y'all, and the way they don't care which way it is, it kind of stresses no. me out and pisses me off, but I just have to let go. As Elsa says in Frozen, because I will never get past this. Because a bitch is supposed to be in Broadmoor or, or the Popo. Right. But it has to be the Popo because when Elaine gets her out, there's a whole bunch of police cars there. Right. Like it's the Popo. But I said, there's no protocol. There's no... <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing. <sighs> just filling out in Broadmoor. And right. And the same clothes she was in there with. So, yeah. She was in that blue outfit. They gave her a brand new outfit. Oh, no. Yeah, for when she was in there. But I was thinking about when she walked out. Oh, wait. You mean when she walks out with her? Yeah. But that's like, that's the clothes she came in with. No, but I'm saying when we see Villanelle first in Broadmoor, Unloved is playing. And it yes. is the song with the lyrics, I gave my heart yeah. to her. She has my heart. And it's like, who? Who? And we see interspliced shots of Villanelle locked up and Eve going to meet Alain at some place, right. some venue, whatever. We see Eve walking into this venue and the lights come on suddenly and harshly. And she says, you brought me all the way across town for this? Hi, Eve. That is Alain <laughs> with her hi, Eve. A little too playful, a little too jolly. Mm. Already mad that Alain is here. And then we come back to Villanelle in the place once again, and she's banging on the door and asks for a phone call. And I'm like, is this one scene supposed to imply Villanelle's discontent in Broadmoor slash jail? Because the way it was two seconds of her contemplatively looking to the side, like, oh, could she be thinking about Eve Palastri? Is Villanelle upset by this? Is she having a hard time? We don't know. We don't get to find out because it's not real. It's it's not real. She's here for a second. A flash. And then she's out because she asked for her, <laughs> her fucking phone call. Lord. Then we get the Killing Eve title card. Yes. And then we get a West End title card because apparently that is where Eve is with Alain. And then they are, of course, they're eating. We're going to assume this is the dessert. Even though it came across as sexual at the end of the last episode, We, it's not. It's actually like Desserts actual can be accessories. Dessert. Like, oh, we're doing something sapphic and there's strawberries and there's syrups. I was about to say jam, but that's not right. But you know, someone probably <laughs> has used jam. Oh, they might have. In their shenanigans. So, yeah. We just thought the dessert potentially was going to be with a side of nudity. And it seems that it's just in this place. And, I don't know, pudding, ice cream. Alain talks some shit about ice cream with Pam, but it's like, girl, the way you seem to be into the dairy. Sweets. I just, no, but you right. was bitching about the British ice cream. So, she asks when the show starts and... The lady right goes into that, you know, she went to the Pentamon Theater as a young girl and she loved it so much that her daddy bought it for her. And it's like, oh wow. So this whole this is all you. And Eve, of course, is like, of course he did. Eve is saying that because she's making her own psychological profile of Elaine. And apparently that fits into whatever she was thinking this woman was like. A woman that is used to getting what she wants and it would seem has been used to getting what she wants since she was a little girl, daddy's little girl, who bought her pantomime theaters. And the subject of the name finally comes up. <laughs> After Eve is like, should we get down to business? And Elaine is like, yes. Elaine wants to know what's up with the name. And Eve is like, oh, Laws, Laws Maya. He must have been a really big deal because it was hard to find out who this motherfucker was. And Elaine, who had been walking away from Eve, is like, oh, not her having information. And she turns the fuck around, which then causes Eve in her game to turn the fuck around and be like, oh, now you're looking at my back because they're playing games. Yeah. And then Eve continues to talk and she mentions Fernanda and the fact that she knows who Fernanda is. She hung out with a bitch. <laughs> Alain very rudely calls her an idiot. She does. Eve smiles at Alain saying this and implies that she would have fared better with Fernanda that she would have gotten her to give up all the information. Mm -hmm. I said, not you talking like a learned queer or are you just talking about how you lie and booze people up, Eve Palestri? Because I don't know how complicated that was. But she's telling Alain like, oh, you didn't play this girl right. And I said, <laughs> we just started playing women, but you're, no, right. you're schooling Alain, who apparently is a trainer of assassin bitches on how to school bitches. Okay. But that's the Eve Palastri confidence that well, we're used to. Yeah. So I'm not surprised. Alain claims she wasn't looking for Lars, which. Mm. Yeah. He mm. was like, he was like mm, I, don't, I don't know if I buy that. She was like, well, but it can't be that hard to find him. You know? I mean, why else, why else would there be a Fernanda in the picture? She says, why would you need to go through his ex to track him down if you did know who he was? So that's the assertion that you looking for Lars because you actually you have no idea who this motherfucker is. You know what he looks like. You know where he comes from. You don't know anything. You just have a name. And if that wasn't the case, why would you go to the ex? And <laughs> Ellen just sits there, <laughs> quiet, because she's like, mm, the way I did not know Eve Palastri was this clever, but she's learning today. Yeah, she really was like, uh, do you not know who he is? <laughs> After the beat, because Alain says nothing. And she's like, okay, so I'm right. You don't know who a bitch is. And that's when Alain makes a, a comment about her brain. She's like, mm, my, my, your brain is like a little, it's like a hamster on a wheel. Yeah. It must be exhausting. 
And I had to laugh out loud at that because it's like, Ellen, you have no idea what this woman's brain has been doing, Ellen. And Eve walks off feeling smug because she shortly shocked the lady in red and she knows she's right at this point. And so Ellen needs to get that power back Mm -hmm. and drop some more info on the table. Like, okay, not you walking away from me. So on the subject of exes, I hear you've had a busy night. And of course, Eve stops walking at that Ellen closes the distance. She's like, yes, let me catch up, girl. Let me catch up. And she's right up in a bitch face. And she continues like, you got her arrested? Wow, I'm impressed. And now Eve is looking shook as fuck, pissed as fuck. Definitely did not anticipate this plot twist. And just lets out this petulant, stop. And I had to be like, Eve, what the fuck are you? Stop what? Right. Because you surely were turning forwards and backwards. You were playing the game. You were marching forwards and backwards just now with Alain smiling, being smug. And now that Alain has the the leg up, you want to stop. Right. Stop. Stop. And it's like, all right, ma'am. And Eve tries to walk away after she tells Alain to stop. But Alain pulls her back by her burned hand for the initial pain. And then she comes with the sapphic pleasure. Because she was totally caressing Eve's hand after the fact while she was saying whatever. And it's basically like, fine, it's Lars. Matter of fact, I'll race you. Let's see who can find him first. And that is the end of scene. Even though the gay games will continue between Eve and Alain. A little pain, a little pleasure, a whole lot of bullshit. Every time these ladies meet up, (laughs) it's what we should expect. And that closes out that scene, which then brings us over to Constantine, who has uh, Pam trailing a little slightly behind him uh, as they're making four paces. Like it's rude, right? Well, you're not walking (laughs) with someone when that person is like four paces behind you, and that is Pam shuffling rather adorably (laughs) behind Constantine. And we have a Margate title card. Yes, so that is where we are, Margate, United Kingdom, and not Margate, Florida. For anyone who knows where Margate, Florida is, but I'm sure everyone assumed it was in the UK since apparently everything's being shot in Margate. Cuba is being shot in Margate. <laughs> Just all of it. And of course, I won't say a weathered Pam, but Pam, who's not used to ex- long hikes, will say. What? A Pam that's not used to long hikes. What does that got say. to do? How no, did you but, even come to such an erroneous shot, assumption? They did a shot of Constantine being paced ahead of her. And then but they that's have when her- someone's being is it Constantine taller than her? He is. Yes. I outpace all my friends when we walk in New York. They get annoyed because they're like, Candace, you giant. Can you walk slower? And I'm like, this is my New York pace. I can't help it. And so thusly, one of my strides is two to three of one of my small friends. No, right. Tiny friends. Right. right. <laughs> no, this is me laughing at all my tiny friends. You know who you are? Listen to the podcast. You know who you are. <laughs> anyway, I'm not saying she no, was I, unused I, to walking long distances. I just think Constantine was being rude. Okay. You called her Jan Brady. Oh, yeah, only, only because of the way the way how right her hair was flowing as she was moving. It, it's like a similar toss. For those who don't know the Jan Brady reference, I'll say the movie, right? The, the Brady, Brady movie. movie. Yes. Well, they make their way to this hotel, the and... Nyland Rock Hotel. Yes, it's probably a fake ass hotel, <laughs> just like the one Eve is at. But that's where they go. Pam asks if she could come in. And Constantine is like, yes, all annoyed. It's like, well, how am I supposed to know? You surely have been doing this whole walk without talking to a hoe. She's right. just trying to figure out what's happening and be polite. And Constantine lays down all these, like, of rules or whatever. He's like, she'll need to be, like, reachable 24 hours a day. Uh, it was I'm literally like, two rules, three rules at best. He was like, here's a phone. Be reachable at all times. <laughs> We're not friends. That was it. I think Constance has been a horrible handler. A good handler is like, here's a rule book. Here's a handbook. Here's what you can do and expect to have happen. And if you follow these rules, it'll go like this. If you don't, it'll go like this. He gave her three points. Here are your keys. We're not friends. And also... Oh, yeah. Uh, and here's a phone or something. Like, be reachable. Like, answer yeah, be, when it be rings. available. Right. Be available when I call. You answer. Right. Then he asks what she's good at. She says, embalming. He does his laugh. And then he asks her if she's killed. She says once... He's like, oh, pro. And I'm like, bro, what is... I don't know what you're expecting with Constantine. He's been rude to Pam the entire time. That is clearly the expectation and why his ass gets tossed into the sea later on in the episode because he's not being a very nice handler. But after we leave a rude-ass Constantine, we are with Eve, who is waiting outside of what appears to be Foe's apartment that we saw for the first time in the last episode because, of course... Eve needs information. She needs something. She's not going to Carolyn this season. She's not going to Villanelle this season. She has no other men. She must go to Foe. And Uh, she says, look at what the cat has dragged in. He makes a comment about being drunk. Eve makes a comment about him smelling like he's drunk, which, great, yay. Eve has a sense of smell. And naturally, she's there because she needs something from him and lets him know what that is. And it has to do with Lars. And she's rather excited to tell Helen, according to her, doesn't know who Lars is. No. And he's like, oh, but we do. We do. (laughs) 
Eve is shocked, but I don't know why, because it's the only reason you're here, Eve. It's for information from Foe, and Foe says he went through around 7,500 photos on Fernanda's Instagram to find the one picture of Lars. Right. And I asked myself why, once again, Foe. 7,432 or whatever photos? That's a lot of hours. That's a lot of no, right. scrolling. Why? For free? Why? You don't have a vendetta against the 12. Because you're a plant. Because you're a betrayer. It just makes no sense. No, like, no, who goes right. through about 8,000 posts for free? Foe! Foe does it. Mm. It said photo because they show it. Can you zoom in? They want facial recognition to run. Eve asked for facial recognition. How you just go past the Killing Eve signs? She says, can we do facial recognition? Once again, Foe has access to some database in which whether or not it is proprietary security software, you can't just run your own shit through there unless you're one of those nefarious cops that is looking to harass women well, and kidnap and rape them and well, they use the database of the police to search people illegally. You well, cannot just use proprietary software to do what you want, especially if you're employed. But the way Killing Eve says there are no checks and balances, that foe searches what he wants when he wants in this van that has unlimited Wi-Fi. It just has the Wi-Fi <laughs> to search all of the fucking faces in some database for which no one checks to say, oh, is foe back in here? Once again, who's he searching? Who's he searching? Lars has been missing all this time, but he doesn't have any contingencies about his face being searched. Of course not, because we just have to go along with it all. So Eve and foe were in the van. They in the van. And it's a computer that looks like it's a pretty jaunty computer. Doesn't matter. It doesn't have to make sense. It's searching faces. And then it gets a ping. And apparently has to do with Lars. Oh, I didn't mention that Eve did not want Foe to have any food before she got this information for Lars because she's an abuser, doesn't care about Foe. She's like, can we get the face? And he's like, yeah, but could I eat? And she's like, I guess. And then when we come to the scene with them in the van, he's asleep because I guess he's tired. And Eve is waiting for the face to pop up. And when it does, she hears the beep beep. She slaps the shit out of him, wakes him up very rudely and abruptly to look at the information. It's like, that's him, right? Like, oh, a little older, but, but it's him. In between Eve and Foe searching the face in the van, we get a cut to Elen arriving to Villanelle's cell. And she's like, surprise. And there's some dude behind her, employee for Broadmoor Jail. Who knows? But she tells him that she just needs a minute. And then she says, good to see you, Villanelle. You look well, all things considered. And Villanelle just has this look on her face like, whatever, bro. And Elaine continues to speak, saying, so have you got all this out your system? Villanelle responds that she does. Shall we go? And Elaine is like, eh, eh, not so fast, bitch. Not so fucking fast. And she takes a seat in the weird room and kind of just sighs and asks Villanelle, like, what should I do? I could try and intimidate your ass. That doesn't work. I could try and stroke your ego, but you already know what it is. Or I could offer you more money, but you don't want fucking money. So what the fuck do I do? I'll go for honesty. And then she says the most bullshit line I ever did hear from Killing Eve, and certainly this episode, which is, no, no one, one leaves the, the 12. 12. Not you, not me. But before she can finish, Villanelle is like, wrong. I actually want more money. Lots more. <laughs> and then she adds, can we go? Cue the music. And they are off. Yes, as Killing Eve Science has decided. We see them jaunt right out. There are parked police cars. There are lots of police vehicles. So jail. Yeah, Villanelle's walking out of this place with a Lynn. And it does not look like a Broadmoor. It looks like a police station, which makes even less sense. No, right? You can tell when Villanelle's walking back to the car that she notices someone else in the back seat. From the deleted scene, we know that Pam was in the back seat. Yeah. I imagine they deleted it because the way they went chronologically in the show, Pam was already with Constantine. And maybe they changed their mind there. But we can tell Villanelle sees someone in the back seat. Whatever. Elaine has her driver open the door for her. And she has an envelope that says Villanelle on the cover and says her timing is as impeccable as ever and that it is a sensitive job. Kind of holds on to the envelope <laughs> before she gives it to Villanelle and Villanelle snatches that shit after she hears it's sensitive because she doesn't give a damn. Right. And she opens it up. We don't see what it says. Villanelle looks like there's potentially some recognition for half a second, but ultimately doesn't give a fuck and says, fine. And Elaine smiles and then tells her driver, he throw, please. And there it was. There's the end of that scene. And yes. presumably she has been given a card about Carolyn, which means Vlad or someone else in his crew dropped a dime on Carolyn going to Cuba because how else does Elaine know so quickly? And speaking of Cuba, this is when we get a, I'm not going to say, I was about to say, what is the shot? But there are exterior shots of real Cuba and then there are exterior shots of fake Cuba and then there is a Havana title card and then we are seen with uh, Carolyn and a not yet named Benita where they are looking over uh, I was supposed to say not yet named a toes and nose agent but no, I mean, I'm probably going to not use his name. Well, we get a safe house title card first. Oh, yes. And then we have Carolyn arriving with her luggage, and we see Benita. And after the title card goes, she says, Donde esta? 
to Benita because she wants to know where the Tolis dude is. And from there, we cut to Carolyn and Benita staring at Tolis dude. And Benita saying they did what they could to salvage his nose, but that it was like suing minced meat. Ooh. Carolyn asked if it was said who did it. She says, nope. All that he said was that whoever it was was a bitch. <laughs> and Carolyn is amused by this, probably because it is indicated that it was a woman who did it. And says something like, well, I guess someone who shoves somebody's toes up their nose could totally be considered a bitch. That is accurate. Someone puts your own toes up your nose at the very minimum. They're a bitch. <laughs> yeah. And then we get a shot of well, we're back with Pam and Constantine, and they're over at the pier. So Constantine's already sitting. Pam walks into the shot and she says, Hi. Constantine looks and is like, Well, at least you're punctual. And then she goes to sit. He's like, uh, uh, No, no, no. I don't need you to sit. Looks up towards where the pier is, and there's a woman who's there just by herself. And he says, I want you to push that woman into the water. And Pam's trying to figure out what he means, why he means it. Like, for what? She she didn't do anything. And he's basically like, no, there's no why. Just do. Push her in. And, of course, Pam has reservations because she's... They're painting the overall, I guess, conception of how Pam operates as far as needing particular motivations, perhaps. Maybe it's part of training, but it, the way she's being instructed to do this thing, it's not it's not mathing for her. And so she's asking questions and Constance's getting really irritated because it's not just happening. Mm. And then he starts insulting and berating her and not and I started to take out myself out because I don't like to see when people are treating. I think that that's psychological. I think there are people who are natural leaders and natural followers, people who ask questions innately, people who don't. And when it comes to the military and requiring people to do things without asking questions, there's a certain personality type that is preferred. And I don't know what the book is because the 12 makes no sense or where Constantine, what his history is of dealing with people. But that to me was very clear to figure out who Pam was and how she worked mentally. That if you just give her a command, and that she doesn't understand, will she do it? Or is she the type of person that will question things regardless of where she is in her station? So to mm. me, that was expressing Pam's autonomy. And you could argue you would prefer yes-men, but Villanelle's not a yes-man, and the 12 would consider her one of the best assassins. So I feel like this was an insight potentially into Pam's personality type and how she is, but also Constantine's personality type, the 12, and what they try to see they can get out of people. Will you just do as I say without asking questions or will you ask questions? Pam just got over here and was not prepared to push a woman into the sea. And if she's a misandrist, like I think she is, she would have had an easier time pushing a random man into a sea than a woman without question. But yeah, Constantine is being pretty rude and horrible. And I think it's because he doesn't really want to be here as a handler in the first place. So he has zero charm, zero effort that's happening. And poor Pam is dealing with his neglect and overall condescension. She's just kind of looking down to ground. Constantine asks if she's stupid, which is horrible. She says nothing even still. And he's like, for God's sakes, answer me. And still gets nothing. And then by the end of the scene, tells her to just go, go home. Go home, right. It's, it was a lot to me. I mean, but I get it. The way you broke it down, like, I understand. Well, that's yes. just my guess. But at the same time, I would also imagine that being trained to be an assassin, if you know what the job is, isn't flowers <laughs> like if you no, yeah. if you go into the military you try to be a navy seal you're trying to do any one of these jobs that requires exertion i feel like part of the component is a type of hazing is a type of rudeness to try to allegedly steal you for what will be coming your way but yeah it's an approach that certainly isn't working so far with pam and constantin mm, i remember on the live you were like constant you get an f and you know i was like you know what yeah because this interaction wasn't it wasn't fruitful and the way that you, like, shrunk this this already... I mean, it was fruitful if you were looking for information about Pam. Okay. It depends on what the goal is of the interaction. We do not know what the goal is. If the goal actually was not to push the random woman into the sea, but to get something out of Pam, then perhaps that goal was achieved. Thing is, we don't know what the goal is. We just know how it went down. That is... That's fair. After the pair, we are back in the van with the Wi-Fi and phone Eve, get a match. Questionable Wi-Fi. Their facial recognition search. They find a picture from Berlin in 1979 being sold online by a Eugene... Eugene... Eugenia Lard. Lard. I don't know that it matters. It's a woman who took photos. De Revolutionaire. And that's what it says. It's on eBay. They happened during the Cold War. Eve wants to know if a number can be obtained. And of course it can because Killing Eve Science, Eve obtains that number with the help of foe. She calls the eBay poster, who regrettably for her speaks English, <laughs> to then communicate with Eve. Eve wants to know who the man is, and the woman does not know. Eve wants to know if she has more pictures, <laughs> and the woman's like, the fuck do I look like, beach? Do I have a bag of time? She has no time for Eve and tells her she can either place a bid on the photo she's talking about, or she can come and look for her damn self. 
and hangs up. <laughs> and go for her. Go for her. And from there, we are back to Carolyn and the safe house in Cuba, and she is interrogating the Toes Man, or about to interrogate. He's awake, and Carolyn is in there like, oh, hey, you. You're awake. Sorry about the cuffs or whatever. <laughs> he wants a cigar. Carolyn smiles and says some bullshit about the FSB, knowing that he's a member of the 12, and that she needs the name of his motherfucking contacts. He asks about a cigar again <sighs> and adds some sexist shit like, be a be dear. A dear. Be a dear. I, I was incensed. Carolyn, I wasn't incensed at this point. There are other things he says to incense. It was mostly annoying here. Because men being sexist and annoying is literally a daily occurrence. Trying to treat you like you're their dog or their wife or something like that. And Carolyn continues to smile and goes along to comply with his request. And he calls her a good girl. Now there's where we're getting towards incensed. Be a dear, mm, good girl, yes. That's the line that angers Candace more so. And now she's walking over. And I personally was like, really, Carolyn? Because I was getting flashbacks to Frank and Sorry, being held to, to the bosom. This. No, 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 right, right. And right. I said that on the live for those of you who are watching. And she goes over there. He comments that she knows her way around a cigar. And he's obviously making a euphemism towards penises, which I would not have assumed. It's the way I didn't even think that. It's no, something no, that right. you think after Carolyn says it. So knowing your way around a cigar could be something sexist in and of itself to say, since on men are not known for smoking cigars the way men do. But given Carolyn's response to him, which is, oh, well, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, I have to assume no, yeah. he was making a dick euphemism. And I think back to Rosamund Pike trying to talk about in that interview how she tried to handle the oath rods so it didn't look like a penis. And those are things you have to be cognizant of because there are fucking men somewhere that will see a staff-shaped thing and automatically assume that you were trying to do something with the penis and it's sad because, sir, some people can just smoke cigars who are not men. Imagine that. As she preps a cigar, it is lit. It was my hope that she would begin smoking this cigar in front of his face because... That's he... not how you get information. No, though. it's... That's you're literally right. not how you get information. Uh... You smoked a cigar on somebody's face after you get the information. Not before you get. Uh, she was trying to get the information. She already debased herself by coming over with the cigar. She debased herself by not throwing something at his face when he <sighs> said, good girl. And so when she actually brings the cigar to his fucking mouth to take a puff and he puffs said cigar and then blows the smoke back into her face, <sighs> Carolyn was the furthest down that she'd ever been. Because when she took Frank to her bosom, she got what she wanted. She achieved the goal. Oh, actually, She did not she get did. what she wanted here. So it's, that's why I said Carolyn took a whole host of L's that a toeless motherfucker could still disrespect you like that. Like, what are we doing? The misandry is not coming across if a toeless motherfucker is still saying whatever he wants. And it took Villanelle coming into the room and him spending two seconds with Villanelle to be like, oh, I can't fuck with this one. Help! She said, night, Help night. Me. <laughs> well, after she got her information, though, she's not Carolyn. Carolyn requested information, got none of it, and got mm. disrespected. Villanelle asked for information, got disrespected, then got the information after she did her own thing. So it's just two scenarios that oh, happened yeah. here. Yeah. So Carolyn is disrespected. She says, well, that was fucking foolish because she must know that bad things are in store for this dude, even though she's not aware that Villanelle is here. The guy also adds a fucking line where he says, I'll die before I grovel to a woman. He says that after he blows that shit back in her face. Famous last words, but no. It, it wasn't was his last words. No. It wasn't, though. Carolyn says to him, oh, well, that's silly, wasn't it? That was silly because I literally have control of your life and you are here upset about groveling to women. Doesn't make any sense but he had a rational male confidence and that is, I guess, why he said it. It's like, clearly, sir, more pain will come your way. And Carolyn exits the room and from there, we cut to her outside of the safe house by the beach. She's posted up thinking about probably how she debased herself for nothing in front of this toeless man. All that for what, Carolyn? All that for what? And she's got a Cuban, presumably. In her hand, will she get to smoke it though? No. No. Because the scene ends with a bag being thrown over her head. We guess it's a villanelle because we've been spoiled up the wazoo with photos that she kidnaps Carolyn. So of course it's villanelle. Yeah, and it's it's the scene from the from the trailer shot where we do see her sniffing the cigar in the bag. That's where it came from. It's that shot. We pretty much almost have all of the trailer accounted for in the episodes. Almost. Uh, yeah, almost. After we come back, it's a shot of Constantine who is reaching out to the Lady in Red because, you know, he's he's got some issues with the way this whole arrangement is set up. He brings up how it looks like Andreas. That's how it's written. You know, and whoever this is, he's apparently more higher up, we can assume, uh, how this person went out his way yeah. to get... Yeah, mm. what, 
Mm, I don't know if we can assume all that with the 12. We really can't. We thought Alain was a certain level of higher up and there's no confirmation about who's where or what. All we can assume is, is Andreas is potentially checks and balances. That he is someone in the oh, 12 yeah. that if somebody else knows that you're doing something that's not specifically 12 related, they can dime you out to the rest of the members and try to get you in order. So that's what I took that as. That like, if you're doing stuff in secret, I could just tell somebody else who's in the 12, who potentially knows more or whatever. Because Constantin surely told Villanelle that he did not have anything further Further than Alain, just like Dasha was like, I don't know what goes further than Alain. And now we have Andreas. Okay, well, killing you science, we'll just hmm. move on from what that is. She also mentioned that Alain is actually crafting a princess crown during this scene, presumably for Chloe. Some performance that she has, I guess they're trying to show that she is still a good, active, participatory mother while she's on her misandry shenanigans. <laughs> and Constantin is trying to be extra. He's calling up. And he wants to know, what the fuck is this? Why do you got me over here right. when all this work was done to set me up with this mayor shit? And I actually was enjoying my life over here in Russia right. as a mayor. And now you got me over here working with somebody who is nobody, who is no one that I should be training. And you know what? Me too. I'm nobody. So why mm -hmm. are you even messing with me, Ellen? And then he adds, I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> because I guess he was like, oh, I had this in my pocket. We'll see how this goes. I'll keep quiet about all the other things you're doing. Oh, but before scenes. he says that, oh. when he says he was wondering things, Alain interrupts him and said, wondering is above your pay grade. She warns him. She's like, get the job done. Wondering <laughs> is not what I pay you to do. Wondering is not what anyone pays you to do. You get paid to do exactly what we tell you. And that's when Constant is like, oh, but I really like my new life. So how about this? How about you put me on a plane back to Russia? And I can keep quiet in return. Or or I can call Andreas and check that he knows about whatever it is that you're up to right now. And that's when Elen starts to laugh like, <laughs> girl, please, Constantin, excuse. Perhaps we should call Andreas and, <laughs> and let him know about what happened with you and Paul and stuff. Because I certainly know about you framing Paul for the six million euros you right. stole from the 12. Was good. And Constantin <laughs> looks very upset. He clearly was not aware that Elen got all the files, redacted and otherwise, about what he's been up to. It's the way I thought he threw his phone. Like, I just, like, I know he that he He throws it at the end. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if it's his phone, but he throws something. He does throw, right, right. Elen is like, I could tell people that you're a thieving cockroach, or I could not. He's a thief. And the phone call has ended. He throws something potentially to the phone. He's pissed off. Elen puts on the crown. And right. she's smiling. She's like, another W. Another W for Elen. This day is going so well because she's been getting W's against Eve, W's against Villanelle. Everything's she, going everything's so going, well. Everything's going so perfectly right. for Elen. Yeah. She's having a great day. Uh, did we get a shot of... Ooh. Villanelle is speeding in yes. a blue convertible towards the beach with Karen yes. in the trunk. And as she uh, er -erts, as she parks, oh, not really parks, but as she gets out, she opens I'm like, the hood what was up. that? What was no, that? No. Er -er. <laughs> well, you know, like the Sir. alarm? I don't know. Oh, dear. You An know? alarm? Right. On that know. vintage no, 60s no. Maybe not. convertible? Sir? Right, maybe not. Maybe not. Mm, so she no opens alarm. up the trunk, and then, you know, you hear, oh, if you want us to go, all you have to do is ask. And it's like, well, here we go. Uh, then we see that she's being dragged out of the trunk. She is dragged through the sand. It's a lot of dragging. There's no one um, on the beach, which is very weird. Mm. For middle of the day in the Caribbean, but whatever. This is Margate pretending to be Cuba. And she yanks that hood off yes. Carolyn's head. Carolyn's like, oh, it's you, bitch. <laughs> Well, whatever. For future references, I don't like surprises, bitch. I don't like surprises in case you fucking plan on doing this again. I do believe this is because Carolyn is already plotting in her head how she's going to get out of this because she can get out of it, especially mm. when it comes to sapphic murderers like Villanelle. Carolyn has been dealing with these hoes, I would say, for, for 30, 40 years, so she knows what's good. Mm. And the way that this could have been anyone, I think Carolyn's relieved that it's Villanelle. She's like, oh, not a bitch, but I got history with. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let me figure out what I'm going to say. I will say, though, that Carolyn remains down bad because while it is Villanelle, it could have easily not been Villanelle. No, and yeah. then Carolyn, you have to paint. This is how you would have been taking out the paint. If they would have sent some dude who didn't give a fuck, who couldn't be talked to, you'd have just been dead, ma'am. Carolyn is truly down bad at this point, but... There's a shot here. What is it? It's Villanelle making her way back towards the vintage vehicle, and uh, Carolyn shouts over, is it too late to offer that job you wanted? And I was like, we, we, we joking now, right? Like, this is all... This is <laughs> this is what we do, right? We, we just playing games right now? Okay. No, it's, it's not a game. I think it's a good-ass idea. If someone is trying to hurt me, who asked me for a job, and whom I denied employment, and now they were trying to kill me, I'd be like, girl, the job's back on the table. <laughs> Carolyn's just being smart. Carolyn's playing chess. She said, oh, okay. shit. A bitch says she wants to be employed. Now she out here trying to murk me. Let me put the job back on the table. Mm. Even though I'm not any place where I need to be to employ people, I could lie to a hoe and I could no, just employ true. you on the side because Carolyn's rich enough right, to employ have, a bitch. She said in the she beginning, she could just have, have her own money. payroll. Nope. Right. So it's actually fine. Carolyn it is. You're right. is showing.
knowing that a misandrist can wiggle with another woman. Like, it may be hard to wiggle with men, but you can wiggle with other misandrist bitches and try to find a play that works out for the both of y'all. After she asks, like, yo, could I still offer you that job? Villanelle doesn't say anything. And so Carolyn continues to talk. Villanelle does walk to the trunk <laughs> to get out that gigantic wrench. I don't know what you are loosening with that big wrench. Villanelle, I'm sure it was just in the car. And Carolyn sees the wrench. She's like, oh, come on. Villanelle, come on, come on, come on. You're more innovative than this, bitch. Don't, don't take me out with a TBI, bitch. Do not take me out with a wrench, bitch. A bitch has been too fly. No, Since right. the 70s for me to go out with a wrench. Right. And I would agree. I would agree. I'd be like, girl, the way you did Frank, you put him in couture. You can't put me in couture, girl. You can't plan better than this. I intercepted your postcards from Amsterdam. I know you got flair, ho. Do not kill me with a wrench. You're more I deserve better than that. No, no, no. I right. deserve no, better. True. And she wasn't, she wasn't lying. So Villanelle still doesn't say anything and Carolyn continues because she got to keep going to get herself out of this. And she's like, well, girl, you always been inventive. Even when you were a child. Uh-oh, what's this? A child? Carolyn, that's new. News to me. That's new. And Villanelle's like, that is new. That's news to me. Carolyn keeps talking and says that she'd often wondered if Villanelle remembered the first time they met. And that, of course, there was that time in the prison in Russia. But before that, it was at her orphanage when she was nine years old. And it's like, oh, and Villanelle's face is like, hmm, ma'am, what? We have had more than one conversation, ma'am, and you have never mentioned this. Carolyn's like, I never knew if you remembered it, but I do know that I liked you instantly. It's like, okay, you liked her instantly. That's information. And Villanelle just has this look of like, huh? I am confusion. <laughs> but she still whacked that bitch. Right. With the night, night, tink. <laughs> She's like, sleep, 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 sleep. No, that was a whack. It was no, rude. no, no, no. I'm yeah. like, Villanelle, may you never hit Eve like that. And I'm glad we've never seen it. Like, never hit Eve like that with a wrench because I will not be able to deal with it. What's that video? I start with my hand and I erase it. Oh, oh, that video I posted. Right. I'm going to swing my arm up of so much power. <laughs> it's going to come down 100 miles per hour and slap you across the face. Except oh, with Villanelle, it, it was, was a, a wrench. wrench. Right. It's very rude. And so since Carolyn's lights are out, we are switching scenes and we have a Pam. A Pam that is free from uh, Constantine. A Pam that is free of, you know, her her brother. She's just free. She's in an amusement park. She's going to make an afternoon of it. She is at a carnival. Oh, it's a carnival. So there's a massive difference between an amusement park and a carnival. Carnivals are local. Okay. Amusement parks are national. Okay, so yeah, this brands. is a local. No, yeah, this is a little tiny thing. It is little, but right, it's quaint. It's but it's cute. We get a shot of her. She has some cotton candy, and one of the vendors for one of the uh, games is you know, it's a come strong on, man game. test your might. You a know, high strike a game, a I, strength I know, test a game. That's I, what they're generally right. called. I know, I know none of the names of any of these attractions. I'm sure, you've never done it. Yeah, I'm whereas not... me, I've done it plenty of times. Oh, high school, I'm getting something for my girlfriend. <laughs> Bang, I'm gonna hit it. <laughs> but I also like just. You Know, showing up men on games like that, like the sharpshooting, even the ones you're not supposed to win with the water guns. Oh, like, right. I just and you know, the thing about that though, that is so annoying. And I learned that after my first jaunty time at Great Adventures was that you can't do nothing with the stuffed animals, like, you can't go for those stuffed animals until you're done at the park. Because no, right. I surely went there with my date and was like, Wee, you get the big giant Tweety Bird, and now you get you're the stuck big giant Tasbic. See, there's a thing, and I feel like some people like to do that because the lady I was with certainly did, which is like, you hold them, like, you're walking around the park and everyone sees you, and they're like, Wow. Wow. Did your person wing you that? Wow. But then after about 40 minutes of that, you're like, fuck this. Right. What am I doing with this giant Tweety Bird, this giant Taz, this giant thing over here? And they have those security lockers like when you first check in. Where you, you can't can be like, put them right, in the security that, lockers. That, that, that you literally not have no, right. nothing. I've had one jaunty <laughs> summer where I was like, I'm going to impress the girl. And then I did it. And then I was like, I'm never, we can't do this. Like if you, <laughs> if you're going to get somebody something, get them something like a, you can hold, put in your backpack, right, leave on the side. Do not be get fighting. the giant y'all jaunty gonna shit. you going to be taking turns like, no, you carry this shit. <laughs> no, that's it. Because you feeling chivalrous for like two hours and you're like, my back hurt. Like, I got to hold the Tweety Avatar. No, that's not true. Uh, so I, I would just hold it, but it was something I cataloged in my head to be like, Candace, you will never do this again because the hassle. No, of, yeah. And the thing about the giant Tweety Bird is the head is so big. Yeah. You can't even balance that shit, right? You're like, how am I supposed to hold the Tweety Bird? The so, only thing I could think of if someone invents like some sort of like seatbelt thing where you could just like strap it so now it's on your back or. It's not good enough. I know it's not, it's good, not good enough. enough. Because and that it's going to be, it's going to be obtrusive. The shape isn't even right. The no, shape yeah. makes no sense. No, yeah. So those are my trials and tribs. <laughs> 
I mean, I kind of just try to win stuff for pretty girls and then you regret it because yeah. then you're like, so we got to hold this? Not me showing off and we got six giant things and now what do we do with these giant things? Anyway, that was a tangent. Yeah, Pam, so he's like, test she's your strong mic. enough. Right. She tests her mic. She on gives the him the strength right. tester. Gives him the cotton candy. She grabs the, the She mallet. should not have given him the cotton candy, girl. What is, what do you And then, you know, it didn't even seem like she that. did any kind of extra effort. It was all precise and it hit the bell. And he was like, wait It's a concentrated minute. energy. It's like wait when you break in wood or you break in cement, you just concentrate your energy in the one space and then boop, it goes up. He had spaghetti arms, so he couldn't understand right. how she did it. He, he said, probably tried every day after work, had never gone to the top, wants to know how <laughs> Pam did it. She just looks at him and keeps it moving. She said, bye. And Look then, up misandry no. in the dictionary and you'll find the answer. <laughs> then we get her at another attraction. This, again, I do not have a name for this. I was. It was called the Waltzer. Um, and this is one of those double spinning rides. Right. Where, at least in the States, I've not ridden one of these overseas. But there's usually music playing. And you spin in a circle pretty fast while the thing that you're sitting in the contraption also spins in a circle. So it's a double spin. And usually people have fun. Every memory I have of being in a ride like that is like always just some loud fucking song that is popular at the time. Fucking Destiny's Child or whatever. Mm. And so you're just with your friends laughing and having a great time. And Pam has no friends. She's by herself. Well, she, she is, is having a great time and it's extremely is. wholesome she starts out a bit trepidatious like what is this what is happening but within a few seconds she is filling the spin she's having a great time she's smiling and it's like oh yay someone is experiencing real joy in this episode that's different and when you think it. of the disorienting nature of spinning in a spin with random music playing and the next shot it gives us is Carolyn coming too. <laughs> Oh, that is ridiculous. Oh, and Unloved was playing during that, oh, yeah, that yeah, spinning yeah. scene. The song Tales of the Unexpected, which is apropos for a title for what Pam was going through this whole entire episode. But yeah, then we're back to Carolyn, who is bleeding from the head. She's got a head injury. The fucking shit hurts. And I know she's like, God damn it, Villanelle. And she says as much like, damn, right. bitch. Did you have to 360 walk my head with the wrench? Probably just took 10 years off my life, bitch. And then first thing she hears is talk. And I'm like, well... She is prove it. And Villanelle said, prove it. Oh, right, right. And she's like, okay, well, first of all, that wasn't pleasant, bitch. I just, my head, it's it's banging. And Villanelle's like, bitch, I said, I said, prove it. No, but what I, are you talking about? Could you get some, um, my, I got some pills in the... I, even I before just, that, she's like, what happened to you, bitch? I thought you at least enjoyed all this and you don't even look like you're having fun. And then once again, Villanelle's like, what the fuck did I just say? I said, could you expand upon that shit you said about childhood? And that's when she's like, oh, well, could you get a bitch some pills? Can I get a painkiller? Look at my head. It's bleeding, Villanelle. And then she takes some Advil. She takes like seven of them. Right. I Thankfully, was like, you she didn't does not OD. No water? I was like, Lord. This some is... people can take pills dry. No, I'm I... not one of those people, but I have had people make fun of me for not being able to take pills without just like effort and liquid. There are people out there, like my mother, who can just take a pill, jaunty ass tablet. Oh! There it is. It's in the back. They swallow. And apparently that's Carolyn. She's got those skills. Meanwhile, I would choke. It would be a little tiny Claritin, a little Claritin thing <laughs> that is barely a fucking pebble. And Kenneth would still choke without some water. It's like foreign object, foreign object, Can't abort. No, yeah. <sighs> so Carolyn, you know, she gets to talking. She basically is like, apparently when Villanelle was young and she, uh, <laughs> she, she had, had a, a jaunty interaction. Right, right. She had a jaunty interaction with a girl that involved her bracelet because she took it off and wrapped it tightly around this girl's finger because her pin she got jacked for her pudding and so like this is her way to get back did they say pudding <laughs> i thought carolyn said they didn't know exactly why she did it but maybe it was pudding but she surely does tie her ballerina bracelet thing around the finger of this little girl while she is sleeping really tight leaves it there for hours so that when a girl wakes up the finger is black lord and the staff try to cut it off but because she had tied it so tightly they're just slicing off flesh Oof. and it was unfortunate for that child who does end up losing the finger at the end of Carolyn's story right when the information was then conveyed to a young Villanelle all she wanted to do was see what the <laughs> disfigured finger looked like I was gonna say Carolyn also asked if Villanelle remembers and that's key and Villanelle says that she does not or she nods her head so we don't know if she's telling the truth but considering how her face looks during this entire retelling of the story maybe she doesn't so what I think is interesting about Carolyn talking about this part is that when she's talking about how when Villanelle heard that she lost a finger and she has to see it, she's laughing pretty intensely because it's a pleasurable, hilarious memory for Carolyn. But if you look at Villanelle's face, she is not laughing. 
I do not think that Villanelle finds it funny. Mm. And she says, like, so I was like this at nine. And it seems like she's bothered by it. Certainly she's been on this whole thing where she's trying to be good or be different. And I can't imagine this pleases her to know that at nine years old, before she was in double digits, she was already on her misandry. Fuck shit. Yeah, but Villanelle's using the words like uh, evil to describe what she was doing and how she was acting. But Carolyn's like, no, you, you were gifted. She says evil after gifted because when she's like, so I was like this at nine. Carolyn says gifted at nine. Villanelle counters with evil at nine. And then Carolyn counters back. And so they're pairing here and Villanelle is on her self-deprecating bullshit that potentially Eve would give into like, yeah, it is your monster. But Carolyn's not about that. And it's possible because Carolyn values a murderous misandrous bitch, but also because Carolyn needs this murderous misandrous bitch to do her bidding the rest of this episode. So I think there's a double reason here mm, why she would... Well. Pump yeah. up her self-esteem for those things because she continues on and she says that humans are like a mezzi board. That the best of them have a little bit of everything. And if you think that your flair for murder speaks to a kind of lack of humanity in you, you are incorrect because killing is primal. And that's what nature intended. And who are mm. we to quibble with nature? Right. Why waste your time being good when you can just be good at what you're good at? Now, I do like that last statement from Carolyn. I do, like I said, I feel like she's trying to manipulate Villanelle here. And she does successfully because she's an OG bitch dealing yeah. with the misogyny murder host and if anything I'm just sort of like all this says is that Carolyn being the reluctant babysitter of even Villanelle trying to do whatever for the 12 would have been the better option because Carolyn is not concerned with those moralities and we've never seen a Carolyn that is concerned with those moralities not with Eve and certainly not with Villanelle you were just now making me think of when Eve went to go tell on Villanelle for killing that person for throwing him in front of the bus and Carolyn was fencing she's like oh yeah and okay but she What's was like, you with? might have to do some contingency planning because there's a murder. And Carolyn was like, we don't care about murders. <laughs> we don't. Did you achieve the goal? Right. The way we don't care about this random woman. So after Carolyn finishes that soliloquy about being awesome and murder being necessary in life, she says, well, what do I know? I'm probably just concussed. And Villanelle <laughs> seems to be taking all of this in. And this is where Carolyn says the line, and I'm ravenous. Fancy a sandwich before you dash my brains out. Hilariously, I too would like a bite to eat before someone decided to dash my brains out with a fucking wrench. And it's Carolyn, so <laughs> it works. <laughs> yeah. It works. Okay, and so after we leave them on the beach, we see them return to the safe house. Villanelle is walking upright. Carolyn is stagging over just a bit. And she tells Benita... Um. <laughs> oh no, before they see Benita, Villanelle is like, after you, my dear. She's like, ladies first. And Carolyn's like, no, bitch, ladies first. Because I'd rather have you somewhere where I can see you. The bitch is still bleeding from the head. They go inside. Carolyn says, buenos tardes to Benita. And then she also says, yo, be careful about Villanelle because she's not house straight. <laughs> and she's still bleeding from the head. So that comment makes sense. Villanelle just has to look like, oh, word. I'm not house straight? Like, we just had this conversation <laughs> outside, but you are insulting me. And Benita is just like, I, I, <laughs> I, right. I, Dios. More murderous women in the house why not carolyn asks if there's been any noise and of course we know that she's talking about in the room right beside and she's like no not a peep not a peep she's like let me clean this yeah i'm gonna have to clean right ma'am i, I need to clean, clean this this, <laughs> this is egregious. It's looking bad the blood is starting to get hot on the side of your face mm. then benita tells villanelle and carolyn to sit because she has cooked Yum. and this is potentially the most cuban thing about this episode except for the actual food that they bring out but that is something else entirely uh, as benita walks off the scene uh villanelle asks carolyn who's who that and Carolyn says, um, well, it's Benita. <laughs> she comes with the house, apparently. <laughs> Villanelle wants to know who that is because Villanelle loves to eat. Villanelle is already happier. That food is about to be on the scene and that she will not have to eat alone because Carolyn is here. And I'm sure Carolyn has that in her folders and files, which is why she suggested a sandwich before her brains are getting dashed out because she knows a bitch loves to eat. Villanelle loves a yummy snack, a yes. savory dinner. A fantastic dessert, whatever, let her explore her taste buds. So after Carolyn lets Villanelle know that Benita comes with the house, she grabs a mango and bites into it with the skin on and good lord. That is sick. Mm. It's not Th the way you that's, do it. Right, that's a way. I told you before we started recording this episode, a lot of people think they know how to eat a mango. Most of those people do not know how to eat a mango. And sure, people may say that it's subjective, but I'll just say mm. there's the Caribbean way. And then there's the wrong way. There's the Caribbean way. And then there is the wrong way. All right? Okay. 
<sighs> Sadly, not only was that mango obviously not a Cuban mango, and I'm sure whether or not they were in season at the time of shooting, you can't do it. We are not going to have fools or ridiculous people like myself who recognize the type of mango it is by the looking of it. But that absolutely looked like it was a Kent, possibly, or Tommy Atkins mango. Which, for those who are not aware, both of which originated in Florida and are two of the most common mangoes that you can find Uh. out there in the market to be cut or cubed or whatever into smoothies. And being from Florida, it is not one of the many mango species from, say, Southeast Asia, Asia, the Caribbean, or any part of Latin America, which naturally, all of those mangoes, surely, indeed, are better than the Florida mangoes. All right? Well, the yes. ones actually grown in the tropics <laughs> in the places uh, of origin right? are better than the Florida mangoes. And so, of course, I advanced my propaganda of the best mangoes being in Asia, the Caribbean, or Latin America. And then we, meaning people from those places, argue mm-hmm. amongst ourselves about who has the best mango, knowing that we all have the best mangoes when it comes to American mangoes. Dare to compare. <laughs> But I don't know. It looks like it could also be a Mexican mango, depending. And if so, thank God. Thank Lily for the Mexican mango because they are better than the Kent and Tommy mangoes, Tommy Atkins mangoes. And I suppose that's also totally plausible since they're far more common to find these days in the markets than they were probably 10, 20 years ago. Mm. But that could also just be my hopeful delusion, Terrence, in trying to say that it's any mango but the Florida mango that Carolyn bit into that was not right. It was not. It was not right. There was no way. Marry a piece of juice. Right. Or nectar. No, right. Dripped like. down thy chin. And food was coming. Benita said food was coming. And well. Carol couldn't wait. Well, she couldn't. <laughs> but perhaps the most inflammatory part about it is Carolyn just biting into the skin of what looked to be a not ripe mango. And I say, ma'am, you did not drink any of the nectar. Ma'am, you were there with Benita. And Benita did not tell you how Cubanos eat mangoes. How Caribbean people eat mangoes. She did not know. No one on Killing Eve got the memo. Or perhaps it was to be rude. Or perhaps they said, just bite into this mango. Offend people as you eat this mango. <laughs> but I'll tell you, the way people would cuss you out uh. and my family, if they saw you bite into a mango, like Carolyn, I just, I don't know. I feel like I came out the womb and hop, skip, and a jump later, and I was being taught how to properly, ready, eat, drink, drink and eat it's, a mango. It's the way that you'll be wearing half of it if you don't do it right. It's about do you get the most out of the seed? Are you getting all the juices? Are you using the seed? Do you know what you're doing? Is the mango ripe? <laughs> now, I'm saying this rant about mangoes, friends, but I just, I love me a good mango. Y'all already know bitches from the Carib. And my mom grew up with mango trees <laughs> all over the place. And so I've just, mangoes have just been a thing. It was probably the earliest fruit I tried. Some parents are like, oh, try this orange, try this lemon. Let's make jokes. My mom was like, try this mango. And so I just love mangoes. It is my absolute favorite food. And there is a very specific way, in my opinion, to eat mangoes. So when I see what I see in Killing Eve, it gives me pause. And so a mini drag had to come out for the sanctity of all of us who eat mangoes properly. All right. And yes, there is a proper way. And you're like, Candace, that's ridiculous. Um, Argue. Argue with somebody else. I'm just going to say there's a right way to eat a mango and there's a wrong way. There's a Caribbean way. Okay. And a wrong way. All right? Uh, a Caribbean way and a wrong way. I'm sorry. I don't make the rules. I was born into this. Baby, I was born this way. To quote Lady Gaga. I didn't make the rules. Mm-mm-mm. I mean, don't y'all want better for your life? What you want to be able to enjoy something as intended? Doesn't nectar just the sound of the term nectar? Doesn't that just sound enticing, delicious. And it's so delicious, Terrence. Right. Eating a mango correctly is actually kind of obscene. We talk about it because as Mm. you mentioned earlier, if you're doing it right, you get hella messy. Yes. Like like, like in the boudoir, actually. No, no, no. (laughs) Like in the boudoir. If you're doing it right, it gets a little messy. I'm surprised there aren't like books that write about a scene where people are staring at each other eating mangoes. Oh, it, it's, it's in the Caribbean. I don't know <laughs> where else they would publish it. But there's totally technique, you guys. And the technique one must learn enables you to harness all of the nectar from the mango into your mouth for minimal spillage and maximum drinkage. Because the last thing you want is to waste nectar, Terrence. Wasting mango nectar. It's probably a cardinal sin of oh, well. just fruit eating, Caribbean living, Ooh. tropical living. I don't know. Ooh. I was about to say, not me finding Kartik and Naira's romantic moment while eating mangoes i'm gonna guess this is like maybe this is some kind of like bollywood thing oh see you know what's india india makes sense i said asia india knows about the mangoes they got some of the best mangoes i mean but this is not exactly what i was asking for i want them to be sitting across from each other even if it It looks heterosexual even if there could be a whiff of head no she's squeezing that thing right but i want i want like face eye contact and face to face while you are get these heads out of my face no i know no i feel you thank you for that but also spin the ipad around because 
Five? Yeah, why? It's giving, it's giving Disney circa Snow White. You know the worst type of het, hetting that can het? But yes. No, yeah. No, you're right. You will get messy, which is the point. The woman in the video was getting a bit messy, and that's because you have to get at the seed in the end. My mama would truly get that thing dry like a damn chicken bone, Terrence. I don't know if you've seen. Have you ever seen oh, a- Oh, I've seen right, a dry seed. Hopefully you've done it, right. I've the seen seed, a dry seed. Not a piece of liquid. Right, it's just- it's like it's been what do you what dry What's that frozen like stuff? Wait, 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 wispies? Like <laughs> not you? Oh my god, no, with the basketball friends. You talk like, about Trey Young. Right, right. Okay, wispies. so it's the seed. And then it was some no! wispies. Right. You're comparing the seed to Trey Young's head. Right, yeah. Trey Young's hair. The accuracy though, because it has to come out like that. Right. And it's just sticking out. Right. Because it's so dry. Right. Okay. You did a thing. You did a thing. And Ooh. kudos, sir, uh, because <laughs> and you know. Hopefully someone does Google Trey Young. <laughs> and you'll find that New York readily disparages that man for his lack of hairs just because, of course. You know, it's based in beef from the playoffs. But anyway, I'm not going to go on that basketball tangent. So, yes, you know about the dry mango seed. I know about the dry mango seed. When you see the dry mango seed, it's inspirational, right? And it was inspirational when I saw my mom do it when I was so young. And I do the same. I think the worst thing is if your mango bursts doing the preparation process which is very you know everyone has their thing but yeah. i have my own thing my prep process my massaging process which i say it's obscene it's i don't want to say sensual but it's i mean it's somewhere adjacent to that because like, you like, gotta rub it out right like for me it's almost you like you, you're spinning you're it tender kind of you can spin right like, i do a bit of a spin yeah a rotation yes a massaging a kneading right right and then it's tragic if during that process it breaks and the juice starts to spill and then it's like fuck it and then you just have to go right in yep. and get it done but that's why we were talking about carolyn's mango not being ripe because in order to massage and ready the nectars for you to partake it has to be ripe or is right. not going to do what it's going to do. And truly, it's precarious science, y'all, in terms of like choosing the right mango that you intend to eat that day or maybe the next day, next two days. It's kind of like choosing an avocado, actually. You know how avocados just go bad real fast? They do. If you're not, really? Right, real fast. Really fast. If you are not careful, if you do not know what you're doing with that avocado, you buy it and three hours later, you're like, not the avocado being spoiled. But that's me when I go mango shopping. I'm that bitch at the market that picks up every fucking mango. I am fondling every mango. We are getting to know each other very well before I decide which ones I'm leaving with. And that's the process. It's personal. It's intimate. And it's lovely. <laughs> no, no. And, and, and anyway, it's, it's the fruit I have the most intimate process with of choosing. I think a doubt. actually there may be a, the Venn diagram may be a circle for those who know how to pick their fruit and to see when it's like on the verge of being optimally ripe and ready. Mm. And, and those who have a knack for uh, the sapphic vapors. Oh, I won't. <laughs> I, I will not like... reject that thesis. I accept it. I stamp it with the Lilith stamp of approval, sir. Yes, new propaganda. But yes, yeah, so I will end this ridiculous rant with my last bit of propaganda for you all. And that is me begging you to try some sort of, well, to go with what I have consumed most as a, as a wee one and adult. I would say Haitian or Cuban specific mangoes, of which there are multiple species, especially Haitian mangoes. I can't even go through a list of what's good. I have my favorite. If you guys are really curious, ask a bitch, but there's multiple. But actually, I would just say if you could get a mango from any place that's not Florida. So right. South Asian mangoes are fantastic. You can get your hands on that. Caribbean mangoes, really, from any island that grows them. Why not? Because most of the mangoes, mm. if not all, that are in the Caribbean originate from Southeast Asia. Anyway, and to that point, I've had mangoes from Thailand, from Pakistan, from India, in the Philippines, nice. and they were all delicious. And the reason why I don't have them more is simply because bitches don't want me to have fun because mangoes are only sold in season. No, right. And when they're not in season, you can't see a thing. And so the way that I hoard mangoes that first day of summer, spring, whatever, where you see the mangoes, yep. I am there. The people know me. They said, Candace, you coming? <laughs> <laughs> yes, bitch. Give me my mangoes. So, yeah. Oh! And Myanmar and their Ooh. mangoes. I believe it's called Sentilon, if I'm remembering that correctly. But I'm pretty sure it means diamond solitaire or something to that effect in English. Anyway, it's fucking amazing. It's delicious. It's bigger than a lot of mangoes maybe people run into in the states at least but it's so fucking good it smells amazing and that's the thing Ooh. you want to like when you eat the fruit you want the whole you right, want the whole experience. Fucking experience right right oh my god the way that i just realized that not even a guava was on that damn table you know what i'm done hey try you a mango from southeast asia from the caribbean <laughs> from any part of latinidad just do it just make sure it's not a kent or tommy mango 
Thank you very much. Amen. Oof. And with that, uh, with that bite into the mango skin, then we get a title card, and it is Eve on location at the shop where uh, advertisement ordinaire. It's the shop that was selling the photo. She enters in. The shop owner peeks her head over. She's like, we? Andy Falashi. Uh, Apparently doing a British accent, according to the subtitles. The way right. it flew over my head. And she calls her a screen name that she was communicating through. And she's like, ah, oh, yes, the London lady. She's like, so lovely to meet you. She's like, really? Lovely. Your life got to be trash. <laughs> Already setting up the expectations that she is a grumpy French woman. Eve doesn't disagree that her life is or has been trash, especially because she was with the one Nico Palastri. But she just says, oh, that's one way to think of it. And then she mentions the photo that she's interested in. And the woman basically says her mother's dead. Eve tries to compliment her mother and her skills of being a photog. And the woman says her mother she's was a fucking pig. pig. She says she's a pig. Oink, oink. And Eve is like, okay, so should I just go over there to, uh, yeah, I'm going to just go over there. Yeah. Get a picture. And she's like, yeah, girl. Go. Like, she's a grumpy French mm-hmm. woman. And I think she has a lot of unresolved angst where her mother is concerned. Because that's unnecessary. Like, you don't got to tell strangers that your mom was a pig. Unless you feel like the world needs to know that your mom was a pig. Even though you're making money off your mom piggishness well, as a photographer but weird energy for random woman in the shop and that is eve doing her searching and after that we are back at the Villanelle table and carolyn eating benita's eating. good food mm-hmm. but what is this food not cuban food i'll tell you what right. where were the platanos <laughs> where was the cafe how in the hell are you saying that you in the caribbean but furthermore you're on the island of cuba you are in and you have a meal at which no platanos are present. You have a meal without tostones, without any banana. It was inflammatory enough that there was no cafe. But the mm. way platanos have a vice grip on the Caribbean. I saw a tweet the other day where someone was trying to talk about calories oh. and, and plantains. And I somebody that. was like, why are you a hateful ass bitch? Right. Did anyone ask you right. about calories and plantains? Are you just trying to be angry We're against everyone in the Caribbean? No, right. Latinidad? We like our goddamn platanos. Leave us the fuck alone. I don't care how many calories are in there. So it was inflammatory to me that all I could recognize was rice. And I said, what is this? Arroz con pollo? Whatever. Uh, with the beans. With the beans. With the cafe. You and said, so, why was the rice white? And I was like, well. I did ask why the rice was white. <laughs> I mean, of course, the rice could be white. But it would be more likely that the rice would not be white in that situation. So as Terrence knows, I did scream quite a bit because I couldn't help it. But that's because one of my favorite memories of my grandmother, my abuela, may she rest in peace, was that she was always cooking a jaunty meal. Mm-hmm. The way you can expect certain moms and aunties from the Caribbean to do and she was always cooking in such excess like she never cooked a normal size every pot was giant and so every time she cooked it was not just for her or for her media family but whoever wanted to come mm-hmm. and get and so that concept of Benita that was cute like I've made food sit the fuck down right. get some food oh big belly good girl and of course that was stroking <laughs> all of Villanelle no, right, things right. she said yes the way the I love an older woman really good. No, right, right, to tell right. me some stuff and right. please right. but I just said why y'all did this to Benita where you got her out here serving the worst food I ever did see the table is not clear. The way I cannot see plantains, I cannot see them. I cannot see mangoes. I can make out some rice and some stew. The way there are no beans. The way black beans are gravy. For Cubans, I just, <laughs> I've said that I could literally live off rice and beans for the rest of my life no, and yeah. not complain because how I've been indoctrinated. But it is what it is. So that's my little mini rant, but you guys had to deal with it because that bitch Benita surely brought out a place of cheeses. And I said, cheese. <laughs> I said, different cheeses. That's what Benita no, does. It was, it was weird to see. And it's because you can't make requests. That's what I'm saying. Like, you don't go to somebody's house and be like, I request this food. They say, this is what I've made. Right. And then you eat it. Right. So I feel like the cheese Carolyn requested, but you can't do that in somebody else's house. Anyway, I've ended my rant of <laughs> Caribbean food, of what I did not see on that table, and of the fact that not a single intern, not a single PA said, why don't we order from a real Cuban restaurant in London? But maybe there aren't many, because that would not surprise me. You can't find a many decent Cuban restaurants in California, so. Yikes. Well, that's... End rant. Maybe the goal then was to sell Cuba to a Londoner versus sell Cuba to a Cuban. Oh, that's how it is. And... It's like when they shoot New York for Toronto, and no one can <laughs> tell except New Yorkers like that's not New York City. No, right right so mm. I was just dismayed because the food is the food it's, it's, it's a, and they said no Candace look at this trifling ass platter all right look at this platter you wouldn't even pay five dollars for and I have to watch Villanelle love it but I think Villanelle loves most food so it's whatever so at first they're just eating they're not talking Carolyn mentions how refreshing it is to eat in silence because they are totally in silence just enjoying the good food then she adds a line about how there's a, a lack of quality of people that you can share food with who are just talking and it's not about anything. Just annoying bags of gas. 
with nothing worthwhile to say. And Villanelle, in agreement, understanding what uh, Carolyn's picking up, putting it down, is like, yeah, just just farting from their mouths. And Carol's like, well, yes. Yes, they can agree on that. And Bonita comes back in with more food. And this is when she calls Villanelle a good girl. And the way Villanelle started to preen, I swear. <laughs> she was like, the food I don't is know, really we, good. I know we make jokes <laughs> about her mama issues, but she surely will never deny a compliment from an older mm. woman. And I'm like, girl, first of all, maybe you should move to the Caribbean and find you an auntie that's going to cook for you all day because the way she was smiling and happy, I know she loves a good compliment and a good meal. Benita was hitting all the checkpoints. So I hope Villanelle stays in Cuba for a while to hang out with Benita because they get along well. Because Benita says she loves a big belly and Villanelle loves to eat. It's a match made in heaven. No, right, right. Absent of the cheese. So very Caribbean of you, Benita. And she watches her leave. No, right. Oh, she she watches Benita leave. She takes a lasting look and she's like, you know what? <laughs> That's a woman. I think I that really is a woman. like I it here. I think I like this woman. I was doing the Annie line. I think I'll really like it here. Girls, stay, <laughs> stay in the Caribbean. It'll treat you well. So Carolyn begins to inquire from Villanelle. She's like, who sent you? Who hired you? On whose order? Are you here? And Villanelle's like, well, well, don't I get like a bribe or something? We ain't doing something for nothing. That's not that's not the terms we're on. Carolyn's like, yeah, no. Well, Carolyn also mentions that they make a good team. And she's like, even though I'm under duress right now, I do mean that shit when I say we could be a good team. And when Villanelle asks about, well, I can't just be giving you shit. Can I get a bribe? And Carolyn's like, well, you can have whatever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. But also, I think you'll just give me the information because um, you like a bitch. You like a bitch. You gave like, me a TBI, but you like a bitch. She said, mm, that's presumptuous. Is it presumptuous <laughs> when you was asking that hoe for a job last series, girl? Is it presumptuous <laughs> when you surely were begging for employment I want to know what the canteen series. is like. <laughs> you surely <laughs> were acting impressed <laughs> by Carolyn mm. in series two. Mm. You're the boss, aren't you? You are, right. So, Villanelle, we can't say face. It is over. You have tried, <laughs> but this is not the time. And then she offers after a beat. She's like, the lady red. And so Carolyn's like, mm, the lady in red. Yeah, I'm like, why are we smiling, Carolyn? Is it because you had a past sapphic jaunt or seven <laughs> with this lady? Probably. Villanelle should have asked if she was an old flame, but she does not. And Carolyn just wants to know if Elaine is behind the attacks on the 12th. Because she's been looking to see who been doing this shit. And if it's not Elaine, then she should be thanking a hoe. And that hoe being Carolyn for trying trying to get whomever is out here murking 12 members because it's been torturous. A lot of torture been going on. And at the word of torture, Villanelle's like, torture? Did we say torture? What do you mean? What do you mean torture? <laughs> right, right, man? right. It was like... Sounds fine. <laughs> Sounds fine. Who's right, having all the torture for right. And Carolyn's like, yeah, girl, I actually have someone who has survived the torture. The hideous toad is next door, in case you're curious. Right. And she's like, you can meet him if you want. Might inspire you. Right. Might inspire that misandry. Right. So I was like, oh, is this like the, the this is the Villanelle version of crack? Like, yes, <laughs> Carolyn always dangles the heroin. An envelope for Eve, but for Villanelle, the subject is right here. You Carolyn want to go and dangles look? whatever she has to dangle in the time that she needs to get what she wants. 